0: CHAPTER Nine, THE CANOLIA On the first day of the Chudley Cannon's Quidditch trials, Harry woke earlier than everyone else, a familiar fluttering sensation in his stomach. He smiled slightly at the idea that Oliver Wood still inspired a sort of panic in him, after all he'd been through. But this panic didn't bring terror with it, this was a welcome sort of anxiety. Harry had missed his Quidditch nerves. He jumped out of bed and dressed with more energy than he'd had in quite some time. Taking care not to wake Ron, he sped downstairs. Lupin Lodge was quiet, and the sky outside was barely getting light. There was a smell of grass and dew seeping through the kitchen windows. The familiar scent and the sense of too-earliness reminded Harry of many Hogwarts mornings, when he had been out of bed well before his classmates and down on the pitch with the Gryffindor team in half-darkness. Oliver had never minded dragging them from sleep at maddening hours. Harry remembered Fred and George's complaints, Angelina's heavy-lidded eyes, his own sense of a drowsiness so strong that he knew he'd fall off his broom, and then he would be up in the air, the wind in his face, wide awake in seconds, flying. He felt a brief pang as he made himself breakfast and sat down. Those had been wonderful times." Hastily, he shoveled spoonful after spoonful of cereal into his mouth. His eyes were fixed intently on his firebolt, which he had just leaned against the wall, and as he chewed, Harry went over his concerns in his mind. Was he too young to try out for a real team? No, of course not. Victor Crumb had done it. Was he good enough to fly next to professionals? Yes, of course he was. He'd played with Oliver, hadn't he? And Oliver was a professional. But still... Harry's stomach churned, much as it had before many important matches at school. Would he make an idiot out of himself? He hadn't practiced enough for this, he wasn't ready, hadn't played a real match in months. But nerves or not, he was going. He banished his bowl and spoon into the kitchen sink and set water running. A minute later, he had grasped his firebolt by the handle and was ready to go. Quickly, his heart thumping now, Harry strode to the front room to check the local map. Being new at apparition made him want to take care that he was exact. He had just put his finger on the town in which the cannon's practice pitch was located and screwed up his courage to disapparate when he stopped. There were footsteps on the stairs. Looking up, he saw that Jinny was standing halfway down them, her hair rumpled and her dressing-gown pulled shut with one hand. She looked half-asleep, but upon spotting Harry, lifted her other hand to give him a small wave. Good luck today," she said, sleepiness making her voice crack a bit. She blinked even though the light was still dim, and stood in the middle of the stairs as if not quite sure what to do with herself. Harry wondered if Jinny had woken up on purpose, just to wish him well. The idea made his cheeks warm, though he had worked not to show it. Thanks, he replied casually, though he was gripping the firebolt and searching his brain for something bright to say. "'Let's just hope I can keep up with the professionals,' was all that came to mind. Jinny yawned a little, covering her mouth and finishing on a sigh. "'Oh, go on, don't be modest. "'You'll know you'll be seeker,' she mumbled, throwing him a sleepy smile. "'Just cross your fingers and hope for the best.' Then she grinned at her own joke, giggling, and turned up the stairs. Harry watched her until all he could see was the hem of her nightdress and the heels of her bare feet, and then, feeling bolstered by her confidence in him, he straightened his shoulders, cleared his mind of everything but where he was going, and disapparated. The sensation was unlike all other modes of instantaneous wizarding travel, and Harry liked it by far the best. There was neither the spinning nausea that one felt using flue powder, nor the jerk behind the navel and tendency to stumble on impact that a port key always seemed to cause. Apparition was actually enjoyable by comparison—just a simple, momentary blankness and then a new place it was such a fast process that harry had hardly blinked in the dead space between locations before there was light and noise and the sound of a far-off whistle carrying along the summer breeze harry immediately felt his shoes grow damp and looked down to find that he was standing in wet muddied grass when his eyes traveled upward he saw that he was at the edge of a wide field dotted with men and women most of them as young as himself though some were clearly Quidditch players gone to seed. Harry didn't recognize any of the players. There were no famous names here. Only hopefuls and has-beens, he thought, without meaning to think it. Well, that's the cannons. But he shook the thought out of his head, imagining Ron's reaction to such a statement, and then he grinned to himself because the imagined reaction was actually pretty funny. Harry had expected to be early, but these players seemed to have been warming up for quite some time. He watched them flying this way and that, dodging and diving. Harry thought he spotted a Wronsky fate somewhere across the way and couldn't help a flash of satisfaction. He fated better than that. A shrill whistle distracted Harry from his view, and he turned to see a young man of good height and strong build striding purposefully down the pitch with an almost fanatical gleam in his eye. Harry found himself gritting as though he were eleven years old all over again. "'Men!' cried Oliver Wood, raising a hand in the air to gesture the players toward him. "'And women!' cried a girl from down the field, rather indignantly. Harry snorted. Something about that was awfully familiar. Oliver did not even have the decency to look chastised. "'And women!' he added impatiently. "'Over here! Now!' This was something Harry understood. This was home. He hustled, firebolt in hand, into the gathering group of players, wondering all the time whether oliver would catch sight of him or whether he was too focused on quidditch at the moment to see the faces of his players harry would not have been surprised if the latter was the case and indeed it was without noting harry in the slightest oliver sorted the players quickly into positions and harry found himself in a group with six other seekers out of the corner of his eye he sized up his competition feeling all the while more confident one woman looked slight and nimble enough to be a possible rival, and one of the men held a Nimbus 2000 in his hand. Good taste, anyway, Harry granted inwardly, but as for the rest of them, Harry squared his shoulders. He was going to be fine. Listen up, came Oliver's battle-cry from the center of the pitch. He began to pace back and forth before the players, who now stood lined up by position. Some of you might have come out to-day thinking this would be an easy job. "'Thinking as the cannons haven't won a league in a hundred and six years, "'you would be able to make this team even if you couldn't make any other.' Two of the men behind Harry shifted uncomfortably. "'Oliver peered in their direction. "'Thought that, did you?' he demanded. "'Well, you've all got another thing coming. "'You're not going to get soft treatment here, "'and you can forget about getting on this team "'if you're anything less than brilliant. "'There's a reason that the cannons have been down so long. "'Bad attitudes. Lack of dedication.' pathetic captaining unskilled players poor equipment oliver stopped and looked into the sky for a moment his arms crossed all right there were a lot of reasons why the cannons have been down so long harry bit back a snort but that's all about to change oliver continued beginning to pace once more it's going to change starting today i didn't leave the puddle united to captain a losing team i didn't come to the cannons to cross my fingers and hope for the best There were a few snickers from the assembled players. Oliver stopped walking and glared hard at all of them. "'Think that's funny?' he intoned darkly. The laughter came to an immediate halt, and Harry shook his head slightly in amazement. Oliver had a way about him, that was for sure. Harry was beginning to feel that this wasn't going to be as simple as he had imagined, and felt himself standing straighter under his captain's scrutinizing gaze. Oliver gave a snort of disgust, let's all cross our fingers and hope for the best sorriest motto I've ever heard I don't know who approved that miserable change but that's the kind of defeatist attitude I won't put up with so while you're up there today beating and chasing and keeping and seeking you just keep this in the front of your minds we shall conquer that's our motto and if you can't hack it then you'll want to get out now there was dead silence on the pitch everyone staying then Oliver looked across them once more, and then nodded, satisfied. Mount your brooms. Let's see who gets to stay for good. Harry was on his broom before anyone else could blink an eye, and when Oliver called out, Seekers up! Did you hear me? Move! He was the first one into the air. Below him, he could hear Oliver's manic shouts. I want to see diving! I want to see fainting! I want to see you willing to break your necks for that snitch! "'And he's not joking,' Harry thought with a grimace "'as Oliver began to put them through their paces. "'Oliver would happily die for a Quidditch victory, "'and it became clear, as he pulled the Seekers out of one fate "'only a half-inch from collision with the grass, "'that he expected the same reckless abandon from the rest of them. "'The other players seemed to find such demand daunting, "'and there were more than one mutter of, "'Is he insane?' in the air around Harry. "'But having had a lot of experience in the neck-risking department,' "'Harry couldn't be bothered to worry much about a little hard diving, "'especially as the golden snitch was one thing "'he really didn't mind risking life and limb for. "'He dove at full speed for an hour, "'thinking of nothing, remembering nothing, "'having no focus but the tiny ball of gold, "'which flickered its silver wings against the pitch. "'And at the end of an hour, "'a whistle signaled the seeker's break, "'and Harry watched the group of chasers shoot into the air "'to await their instructions. "'He landed, breathing hard, and made his way toward Oliver, who was motioning for the seekers to come his way. On all sides of him, Harry could feel the other seekers sagging. They were winded from the exertion. He was exhilarated. The only one apart from him who seemed to be in shape enough for this was the slight woman whom he had noticed earlier. But even she was regarding Oliver with something very like terror in her eyes, and Harry guessed that she probably wasn't willing to lose her life over a Quidditch match. He hid a grin. "'I hope you men realize that this was just a warm-up,' Oliver barked as they grew nearer, "'and that you plan to show up with a little more fire under your bums tomorrow. "'You,' he pointed sharply to one of the men behind Harry, "'good arms on you, but you're in the wrong position here.' "'But I've always played seek things change. Get over there with the beaters. "'I want to see what you can do that end.' The man hurried off. "'You,' Oliver continued, pointing at the man on Harry's other side, "'worried about falling?' "'I no. Then what are you on about pulling out of dives two feet before everyone else? Do that again and you're out of here. You there, he nodded to the woman among them. Not bad, not bad at all. Keep that up, you hear me? Harry saw the woman, duck her head, beaming. But instead of feeling glad for her, he felt a slight queasiness in his gut. He'd always considered him to be a pretty damn good seeker, but Oliver hadn't even noticed him yet. I must have lost my touch or something, Harry found himself gripping the handle of the firebolt with more than his usual intensity, and for the first time he realized just how much it meant to him to make the team. Cannons or not, he wanted this. And you! Oliver was looking straight at him. Harry snapped out of his reverie and jumped. Yeah? Back for more, are you? Oliver's eyes narrowed. Harry felt a wave of relief. He had been recognized. This was going to be great. Perhaps, especially since behind Oliver's steely, quidditch glare, Harry suddenly detected the fifth-year boy he had met in Professor McGonagall's office, his chest filled with a strange homecoming kind of warmth as he looked at his old captain and teammate for a moment in silence. Smiles tugged hard at the corners of both of their mouths, even though both struggled to maintain professional distance. But it didn't last. On irresistible impulse, Harry stuck out his hand. "'Oliver! Harry!' Oliver grasped his hand, pumped it up and down once, and nodded. You can do better than that fate you just gave me, Potter. Harry felt the other seeker staring at him at the mention of his name, but he nodded back at Oliver. I know it. Then do it. Tomorrow morning, 6.30 sharp, on this pitch. Got that, all of you? 6.30. Harry began to protest, as if this was Hogwarts, and he was being dragged from his Gryffindor 4 poster yet again. But Oliver cut him off at once with a growl hold back on me again tomorrow and it'll be 5:30 seekers dismissed with that oliver strode off toward the chasers blowing his whistle and waving his arms in the air and only when he was safely out of earshot did harry allow himself to groan 6:30 he muttered shaking his head that lunatic that total harry potter did i hear that properly it was the female seeker and her voice was curious harry turned to look at her feeling his defenses go up at once Yes, oh that is well i she seemed at a loss and harry didn't feel much like helping her he hated being recognized when it was like this self-consciously he flattened his hair over his scar but the woman didn't seem to notice she just shrugged well you probably get this all the time i hope you don't mind but i just wanted to say thanks harry started thanks he repeated not sure what she meant The woman frowned slightly. For what you've done, of course. Against the Dark Lord. I don't mean to bother you about it, just to say thanks. She smiled. Nice flying, too, she added, and then walked away, leaving Harry with his mouth half open in shock. No one had ever randomly thanked him for his fight against Voldemort, and he didn't quite know what to make of it. It, well, it didn't bother him, he realized. It really was sort of nice, he shrugged. At least it wasn't the same as having someone gape openly at his scar. Across the field, up in the air, the chasers were doing impossible loops around the goalpost, tossing the quaffle back and forth in accordance with Oliver's commands. Harry sighed a little. He wished the Seeker's bit of it had gone a little longer. He'd missed being up on a broomstick for a real purpose. 6.30 in the morning was actually too far away, he reflected wryly, pulling his wand from his T-shirt and disapparating. The Quidditch pitch disappeared. The world went blank, and then he was stumbling, stumbling over something very solid, which was squealing indignantly. Ow, Harry, are you mad? Harry had apparated without any trouble into the front room of Lupin Lodge, but he hadn't taken the other occupants of the house into account. He'd apparated directly into Ginny, and she'd gone crashing to the ground. She lay sprawled in front of the big fireplace, rubbing her elbow where it appeared she had slammed it she looked a bit vexed but after a moment she began to laugh uncontrollably i could get you fined for that you know she managed between gasps that's reckless apparition that's what it is i'm calling the d a l harry knew he was crimson i am so sorry he attempted reaching out a hand to help her up it was too late she'd already pushed herself to her feet still laughing and to harry's surprise he heard another lower laugh coming from the direction of the fireplace He spun toward the voice, praying that no one else had seen his fumbled attempt at apparition, and his face burned even hotter when he recognized the plump face that was chuckling in the flames. "'Good to see you, Harry,' said Neville, longbottom happily. "'I guess you got your apparition license.' Harry glanced at Ginny, who had smothered her giggles but was still eyeing him mirthfully, and he shrugged. "'Yeah,' he agreed. "'I probably won't get to keep it for long, though.' "'Hey, Neville.' He made himself grin back at his fellow Gryffindor whom he hadn't seen since their last day at Hogwarts. What have you been doing lately? he asked quickly, hoping to distract everyone from the ridiculous entrance he'd just made. Well, I've just been talking to Ginny here. Neville smiled at Ginny, who smiled back. And now I have to go to the greenhouses. I'm actually a little late. Harry looked from Neville to Ginny and back again. The greenhouses, he repeated. Why? Neville opened his mouth to answer, but Ginny held up a hand, i'll explain neville she said kindly you go on and don't be late you know how professor sprout can be about that thanks for everything sure neville grinned again and looked at harry hope i'll see you soon harry pop in any time you want only don't knock me over okay neville's head was gone with the pop before harry could even reply and Jinny was sent into a second hysterical fit of laughter but when she'd calmed down enough she'd to remember something important because she opened her eyes wide and held out her hands, palms up, as if waiting for information. Well, she asked excitedly. Well, what? Harry asked, feeling irritable. Well, the cannons! Jinny replied. Tuh! Honestly! How was it? Did you see Oliver? Was anybody any good? How did the firebolt behave? Oh, right! Harry felt himself begin to grin. Yeah, I saw Oliver. Jinny clapped her hands together. What did he say? I'll bet he was surprised to see you there." He didn't even recognize me. No. Jenny looked scandalized. But he flew with you for three whole years. Harry laughed. I know. But that's Oliver. He's so intense about Quidditch, he didn't even notice I was there until the end. Jenny shook her head. Weird. And the other Seekers? Anybody with any real training or talent? A couple were all right, Harry answered, warming to the conversation there was one with a nimbus Two Thousand. Oh, jenny interrupted good broom i remember when you had one of those poor old thing yeah harry laughed surprised at how easy it was to talk to jenny about quidditch yeah i missed that thing anyway i expected him to be all right but he couldn't fly at all really kept pulling out of dives two feet early there was a woman there though she was really good i've never heard of her but even oliver said she was good and he never gives anybody a break. She seems to be all right, though. Once she figured out who I was, she... Harry stopped. He'd been about to tell Ginny about what the woman had said to him after practice. He wondered how he could possibly have rambled on so far. Ginny tilted her head expectantly. What did she say? Oh, she just... Harry shook his head. Nothing, you know. He searched his mind for some other subject while the look on Jinny's face became decidedly curious. "'Hey,' Harry said suddenly, remembering what had happened earlier. "'What was Neville doing here?' Jinny seemed to forget her curiosity at once. She avoided Harry's eyes and turned slightly pink. "'Nothing,' she said quickly. "'We were just talking.' Harry felt his brows pull together. "'What about?' he asked, not sure why he felt entitled to an answer. "'Oh, you know, things.' Ginny looked extremely uncomfortable and began to tuck something deeper into the pocket of her jeans. For the first time Harry realized that she had a quill sticking out of one pocket and a bit of parchment peeking over the top of the other. It was the parchment that she was attempting to hide. Did you know, she said too brightly, that Neville's taken a position at Hogwarts? No, said Harry shortly, staring at the pocket where the parchment was hidden and wanting very much to know what was on it. More than that, he wanted to know why Ginny was blushing about Neville. It bothered him more than he wanted to think about. Well, he has. Professor Sprouts decided she's going to retire from teaching, and raise medicinal herbs for apothecary wholesale, and Neville's going to take her place. What do you mean, he's going to teach Herbology? Harry couldn't help but pay attention to that. It was a shock to think of Neville teaching anything. Though, Harry reflected fairly. Neville had always been just as good as Hermione when it came to herbology. Yes, he's going to apprentice with Professor Sprout this year while Hogwarts is closed and learn all he can. And if he's ready by the fall, he says that Professor McGonagall's going to let him have the position. Isn't that wonderful? Ginny exclaimed, looking truly happy for Neville's sake. Yeah, Harry offered, feeling slightly ungenerous toward Neville at the moment. Sounds great. Ginny nodded and then pulled her quill from her pocket and began to tap it self-consciously against her leg, still looking mildly uncomfortable. "'Well, anyway,' she said vaguely. After a moment she gestured to Harry's broom. "'I'm glad you had such a good practice. Do you go back out tomorrow, then?' Somewhat relieved that the conversation was steering back to Quidditch, Harry nodded and sighed heavily. "'Back to the pitch at six thirty, he muttered darkly, though deep down he didn't really mind.' he'd have gone back at midnight if that was what oliver wanted in the morning jenny stuck out her tongue that's inhumane i know harry answered with a laugh but then oliver's not exactly human